get ready. Yeah. Y'all ready for some live shit? Welcome. Welcome to the D, baby. It's all live down here. What you see is all real. What up, though? This is Mike. Back at y'all solo, Sans Otis. Uh, no shade. What up, though? Still a thing. But um, I just want to take some time uh, to devote a little more effort toward this podcast shit. Um, my birthday was Wednesday the 22nd, January 22nd. But I took the entire week off work and the following Monday just to really just enjoy some time to myself. Like my wife and kids still went to work and school, respectively. And, you know, I, I pretty much stayed home or been at a cigar lounge, um, catching up on shows and working on ideas for things to podcast about. And I wanted to relax, but I also want to get some podcasts in the can that I can drop sporadically. So I've been just taking that time out to, you know, watch those shows, watch those movies and record podcasts. Um, I'm going to Montreal, Canada over the weekend of January 24th for my brother's wedding. But um, we'll talk about that more on the next episode of What Up Though. But during that time, um, I'll probably watch uh, a couple of movies and see if I can flesh out a movie-based podcast as well. But there'll be more on that later as well. So um, I've never done this solo podcast thing before, so um, I'm going to try to keep things as concise as possible. I think I say that a lot and never live up to it, but um, this podcast is going to be about uh, my favorite shows of 2019, along with some honorable mentions. So I'm going to dive right in. Hopefully we can keep this, I don't know, under an hour, but I haven't done this before. Uh, I've been doing podcasts for, uh, what, five, six years, and I've never done a solo one, um, much less one that's a list. So I don't really know how long it's going to take, but um, hopefully we'll be wrapped up and out of here in 30, 45 minutes, 60 tops, and uh, you guys can give me some feedback on what you thought. So, uh, moving right along. Uh, one of the first podcasts I wanted to record was this one, Top Shows 2019. We're nearing the end of January, but I wanted to get through a couple more shows before I finalize the list. Um, I've basically done that, so I think I'm ready to roll out the official list as well as some honorable mentions. So, I'm going to get started with the honorable mentions. But, uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's like, before I do this, I'm going to do this. And then before I do that, I'm going to do this other thing. Before I go... <laughs> actually deeply into the honorable mentions well i'm not gonna go deeply into the honorable mentions but before i start on the honorable mentions i want to discuss something about one of the shows in particular and uh first uh so dark the netflix uh series uh is in a lot of top 10 lists if not at the top um i just wrapped it up uh earlier today and i want to make sure i got through that show before i recorded this specific podcast just because I saw it on a lot of lists and I wanted to make sure that I had seen enough to feel like my list was valid without feeling like, feeling like I missed too much. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about why Dark didn't have the impact on me that it seemingly had on most people. Um, it's just in my honorable mention. So um, Dark's probably the most convoluted show I've ever seen. <laughs> And for no reason, <laughs> like um, all the great things that Dark accomplishes, I think they could have probably accomplished with fewer characters. Um, I've never seen a show where after two seasons, 
I still have to reference this like photo map that I have saved in my phone so I can just remember who's who, what year they're in and what relation they have to the other characters. The show has like 20 main characters who appear over the course of like a hundred years and they're all played by different actors. Uh, the show jumps around from time period to time period and you have, you always have to like mentally adjust um, you, like you, you get to a new scene and you have to go, okay, so what year is this? Who's this on screen again? What are they, what are they here to do? Who are they related to? Like what, what's their connection here? Like you almost have to like mentally reset every scene and you just have to do this all the time throughout every episode. Cause the show never really keeps you in one setting or with one set of characters for a very long time. Um, sometimes they won't even revisit a character story for like a couple of episodes. Then you're like really digging through the mental crates, trying to remember, uh, who they are and what they had going on. And, um, I believe the final two episodes of season two, there's like four iterations of one character, each in a different time with a different agenda. I just like flat out gave the fuck up on trying to keep up with what the fuck that character was doing. I said all this to say... Dark didn't really make my top 10 because I just felt it was like needlessly convoluted for nothing but the sake of being convoluted. It accomplished a lot of great things. Like for one, it was consistently a total mind fuck. But most importantly, there were like amazing character moments throughout the show that were uh, phenomenally acted. Um, for instance, the, uh, the character that I just mentioned who has the, the four versions of himself in, in the last two episodes... There were a couple of scenes in one of those episodes where two of those versions did some phenomenal acting with nothing but like body language. It's it's <laughs> it's weird because it's hard to explain, but because uh, discussing everything about this show is a spoiler. But it was really a sight to see. Like, um, however, the manner in which the show is edited, with like these constant jumps in time and character groupings. It just really feels like it serves no purpose other than keeping you in this constant state of confusion and confusion. I think confusion should feel comforting, like like Watchmen, which we'll obviously get to later. I was confident in Watchmen that the things I didn't understand would be revealed, and they were. But the confusion in Dark seems to only exist for the purpose of making you confused, and that just really annoyed me. But all in all, Dark is my first honorable mention, but because um, I did think that there was a lot of great stuff there, and I do like all the timey-wimey mind fuck aspects of it um so it is still there but i just kind of wanted to get into why it's only in my honorable mentions whereas i've seen it as number one and number two on a lot of people's list all right so let's move on to the rest of the honorable mentions um i'll talk about these briefly um since i obviously want to spend a little bit more time with the top 10 so uh my first honorable mention is patriot act by uh hasan minaj um this is one of my favorite shows to come home and watch like the, the episodes are only about 20, 30 minutes long, but they're all really entertaining. Uh, the premise of the show is that Hassan basically gets up in front of a live audience and educates them about a specific topic that's relevant in the world. There's usually uh, a ton of great insight and useful information that you wouldn't know otherwise, but there's also a lot of humor thrown in because he is a comedian. Um, but I don't really go there for the humor. It's mainly for the, the education. <laughs> I just love how much I've learned from that show. Uh, some of the show's topics include um, affirmative action, uh, Amazon, content moderation and free speech, drug pricing, censorship in China, 
And like all those ones I mentioned were just from me looking up some of the episode titles from the first two seasons. And there's like five seasons on Netflix. Um, they're not very many episodes a piece. And they're probably about, like I said, like I, I think I said earlier, they're about 20, 30 minutes long. Uh, I'd say maybe eight episodes in a quote unquote volume. But uh, yeah, tons of great content still. Because if you're looking at eight, eight episodes over five volumes, that's 40 episodes. So there's still a lot of great content there. Um, in the same vein as Patriot Act is explained, um, another one of my honorable mentions, uh, think Patriot Act, but slightly shorter and with no comedy. <laughs> um, there's also spinoff versions of Explain. Um, there's one that's called The Mind Explained, um, where obviously all of them sit around the mind, and one called Sex Explained, where obviously they all sit around fucking and the results of fucking. Uh, the regular Explained show has, um, I believe, two seasons of about let's say eight to ten episodes a piece and the spinoff ones are about four episodes a piece uh, they don't have a host they're uh narrated by some celebrity um I, I found it interesting to try to see if i could guess who the celebrity was before they showed it on the screen i don't think i, I maybe once or twice <laughs> i got it but um yeah those are always really good too and they're they're even shorter so you can watch them i'm, I'm talking they probably average about 15 16 minutes uh, let's see. So next up is Real Time with Bill Maher. Um, I've been a Bill Maher fan faithfully since his uh, Politically Incorrect show on ABC slash Comedy Central. Um, and I'm still a faithful viewer to this day. Um, Bill started Real Time around 2003. But uh, my fandom precedes that show. And he also introduced me to Bernie Sanders. So I can be <laughs> I can be a proud uh, political hipster and saying that, uh, I've been a fan of Bernie since before it was cool, but, <laughs> um, these three shows, uh, all revolve around just education. I like to learn, um, and I can learn about what's going on in the world, uh, through Patriot Act and through, uh, real time. And then I can learn about, uh, different aspects of, of life through explain. So, um, but I, I wouldn't put anything like that in a top 10 just because, I mean, you know, I want, you know, all my top 10, all top 10 stuff to be kind of like, you know, serialized or stories or something like that. And I just like, you know, the news. So <laughs> um, but I do have a couple of um, <laughs> uh, regular TV shows to, in my honorable mentions as well. Uh, uh, the first is The Boys, uh, which is an Amazon Amazon original. Uh, it's a incredibly violent i guess sort of superhero show uh, it's like what if the superheroes were all complete and utter assholes and in some cases the flat out bad guy um it's not a like like a deep show with this intense and dense plot it's just a really good time with some really extremely high octane violence which is always right up my alley like as long as the show isn't dumb if it has really, really just like over the top violence, I'm probably gonna like it. But The Voice was actually uh, number ten on my top ten list until one of the shows that I was holding out on watching before I did this podcast. Um, until I actually watched that show, and then that show bumped The Boys out of the top ten. But so yeah, The Boys was that enjoyable. Um, another I don't mention is the second season of Big Little Lies. Uh, I didn't find it quite as engaging as the first season, but it was still pretty good. Um, Nicole at Nicole Kidman, <laughs> she, I, 
she just kind of grinds on my last nerve. I, I think she's kind. I think she's a pretty overrated actress, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't understand how she gets the accolades she does. I think she's just like really dry and bland. Um, always has that like like whispering kind of voice. Uh, just irritating. But anyway, this season added Meryl Streep, and we all know we all know about Meryl Streep, and she Meryl Streeped all over <laughs> all over this season. Uh, Laura Dern is a great character, has a great character on the show, um, who also has some great moments. She's really annoying, but really fun. Um, I won't go into what the show is about just cause that's kind of spoilery, but, um, just know that I do endorse it if you have the spare time, but it's not one of those, uh, you must go watch this right now sort of shows either. Um, so, and now I'm down to my last two honorable mentions. The first is living with yourself on Netflix. Uh, it's a Netflix original stars Paul Rudd as this kind of, I guess, <laughs> loser character. And he goes into this spa on the recommendation of a co-worker who uh, Paul Rudd's character observed to be a complete bumbling fuck up one moment and then just perfect at everything the next. And he's like, like, what made you change? And he's just like, I went to this spa and I came out a new man. And Paul Rudd go, goes to the spa. Uh, the um, he does come out a better version of himself, but the former version of himself remains, and the two end up having to exist together in the same world and deal with his problems together. And they're about eight 30 minute episodes or so, so it's not a long watch. It's going to be about four hours, probably a little bit less. I don't think very many episodes are a full 30 minutes. But I found it to be like really interesting, serious, but also pretty funny. Uh, it's a, it's again, it's not one of those like go watch this now, but like it's something that like you got you know four hours tops to spend on this. I thought it was a really good time, um, and just Paul Rudd's just really fucking enjoyable. <laughs> and my last item I'll mention is Game of Thrones season eight. Um, this is truly an honorable mention because i'm just being honorable if i'm being honest with myself it doesn't even belong here um it's literally just me honoring my all-time favorite show um i thought it ended pretty bad um i could save that discussion for another time maybe on another podcast with a different person but um there were some good episodes and moments it just um it just saddened me that this the way this show ended is going to sully the reputation of the show as a whole and i don't i just wish that wasn't the case because peak game of thrones is peak all-time great tv when i think of my favorite tv moments of all time most of them exist within the first four to five seasons of game of thrones so um that's my honorable mentions i'm gonna move on to my top 10 we're only at about 15 minutes in so maybe we'll uh actually have this wrapped up and uh around 30 to 40 minutes all right so number 10 the mandalorian love 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 the mandalorian it's like a it's like a star wars western uh it, it was just star wars done right uh just like the boys it wasn't dense and plot or anything like that it was just just a damn good time um baby yoda took the world by storm understandably so even i thought baby yoda was super fucking cute um Oh, and the final episode, which was directed by uh, Taika Waititi, fucking awesome. Like, so much great action. Um, it paid off a lot of the stuff that the first episode set up. It was just like boss of the wall. Like, this could be a fucking movie. 
it was it was awesome and most importantly I, I think what made the mandalorian really hit my top list is that i kept enjoying the show after it was already over the end credit artwork was so fucking cool like i don't understand why they haven't already already announced like a book release that has all the artwork from the end credits of every episode and then the theme music <laughs> If Spotify can show me how many times I've played one song, I can probably guarantee that the Mandalorian theme is probably number one. Um, it's bumped it's bumped down the House of Cards theme as my number one all-time favorite uh, piece of theme music. So, um, yeah, when, you, when your show is good, or in some cases, I, I don't want to say peaks, but like, it ends and then you're like, all right, now time for the <laughs> time for it to get even better or, you know, time for it to continue being great. Even after the episode ends, that's a sign of a good show. You can enjoy it from literally the opening credits until the end of the end credits. All right. Number nine, uh, When They See Us, uh, the Netflix original series about the story of the Central Park Five, a group of five boys who were arrested and charged with rape of a young woman in Central Park back in 89. Uh, the police needed someone needed someone to go down for that crime, so they basically manipulated these uh, boys who were uh, young teenagers into confessing to a crime they didn't commit. Um, even <laughs> it, the, the time the timing of this was crazy, but even Donald Trump's bitch ass shows up in the documentary. Apparently, uh, back then I was I was too young at the time uh, to remember it, but apparently back in '89 he took out a full page ad. And uh, I believe the New York Times saying that they need to bring back the death penalty uh, for these boys. Like, these fucking kids. But we all know how little of a fuck Donald Trump gives about brown children. Anyway, um, even though the boys, now men, were exonerated uh, via DNA evidence back in 2002, this fat bitch was asked if he wanted to apologize and basically was like, why would I do that? They confessed. Fuck, punk ass bitch. Anyway, I digress. The show is amazing. Every actor in the series was phenomenal, with uh, one in particular winning a richly deserved lead actor Emmy. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, depending on depending on your viewpoint, uh, that same actor who won the Emmy wasn't even nominated for a Golden Globe. Go figure. Anyway, highly recommend uh, when they see us. And then on Netflix, there's also a. Uh, a special with Oprah where she sat down with um, the actual five uh, five men that were involved in that case. And uh, it's it's interesting to watch them as adults talk about what you just saw take place in the TV show. So really good stuff there. Uh, number eight, The Handmaid's Tale, season three. Uh, I know a lot of people felt this was the best season. Uh, I didn't agree with that, uh, which is why I only have it at number eight. But... Um, I still feel like the first season was the best one. And the main reason for that is that I felt the jump from the jump to June basically being able to do what she wanted. It felt kind of unearned, particularly after she had the baby. So like while she's pregnant, of course, they're going to, you know, allow her to get away with a little bit more because they don't want to affect the baby. But after the baby was born, it didn't make sense to me that she was kind of like able to walk around and freely uh, manipulate people and talk to people in the old kind of way. Like for me, it, for me, it just kind of took me out of it a little bit. Cause that didn't feel, um, that didn't feel realistic to me. That didn't feel feasible. 
But aside from that one issue, um, Handmaid's is like top tier television to me. And it's mainly because it's just difficult to watch. And <laughs> I think the reason it's difficult to watch is like right now in 2020, that show does not feel as far fetched as it should. Like that, <laughs> that's something where it feels like this could actually end up happening one day. Whereas if this was a show and, or maybe even when the books were written at the time, it was like, yeah, this is a completely dystopian future. Like this, what if this happened? That'd be crazy. And then now it feels like, wow, that could actually happen. And I think that just adds to the show's uh, intensity. All right, number seven, Stranger Things season three. Now, here's one where I feel like the third season actually is the best one. Uh, they did a lot of great stuff um, with season three. Uh, they ratcheted up the tension. They uh, created and fiddled with uh, an interesting dynamic between L, Mike, and Hopper. That whole uh, they're dating and he's trying to be the dad, all that kind of stuff. Like I thought that was interesting. Um, they gave Lucas' sister a lot more, uh, a lot more to do, which was cool. She was an entertaining character. Um, and I like that they added in the bit where uh, the creature or whatever was able to essentially infect the town's residents, including uh, what's his name? What's his name? Billy. Uh, he looked like a like a like a dirty mangy Brad Pitt. But um, yeah, they 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 made him a lot more interesting because he he was a real like trope in season two. Like I. Didn't like him at all, but he was a lot more interesting in season three. So, love Stranger Things, love the 80s vibe. Every season's fun to watch. Again, highly recommend Stranger Things season three. Uh, a number seven on my list is still a very, 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 very uh, high place to be. Number six, Euphoria. I don't recall seeing Euphoria on anybody's list i think it was on dj tim hines list thanks to me but um <laughs> absolutely loved euphoria um it wasn't everybody's cup of tea and i get that but um they also did a lot of unique things that i thought worked like for number one it was visually stunning um they did a great job of trying to show you what it felt like to be uh the high that rue which is uh the main character played by zendaya um, the level of high that she would get. Um, it, it, I, it always felt so, it always felt real trippy. And I thought they, that was because of just how they lit it, how they shot it. It was all really just visually great, great work by the, uh, whoever was doing the cinematography for that show. Um, Rue again, played by Zendaya had a lot of great character moments and definitely could have earned her own award nominations. I'm kind of surprised she didn't cause I know she's really popular, I feel like nominating her for some stuff could really garner some attention the way of whatever entity entity was nominating her. But um, I don't think she did. But, well, that's over now. Um, oh, they also did a really good job of integrating a trans character into the show. And particularly in the early episodes without like going like, hey, look, we have a trans character. It was really subtle. Like my wife and I noticed a few subtle clues um, and we're kind of like, what is that? is that character trans and you know but like the show didn't confirm it like really confirm it for a few episodes in and i don't i really liked and appreciated that that they added that um interesting dynamic to a genre that we're already kind of familiar with that genre of like 
kids doing adult shit. Always uncomfortable to watch, but we've seen it. But uh, I think the cinematography, adding in a trans character, having a relationship with um, another girl, uh, and just a couple of other, a a few more of the characters that they had in there, I felt were unique to that, uh, to that portrayal of kids doing fucked up shit. So that was enough to really, really make me like that show. Um, Oh, (laughs) and the dicks. (laughs) I forgot to mention the dicks. Lots of dicks in this show. Um, if you're someone who can't really deal with looking at dicks, like, uh, a guy who's not confident in his sexuality, then maybe that show's not for you. But um, if you can get past the dicks, the show, <laughs> show has a lot of meat, but, pun intended. <laughs> uh, it wasn't intended, but it was. Uh, number five is um, the show that ended up pushing the boys out of the top ten, Fleabag, season two. Um, Fleabag was a top most, if like it not it was a top most list or in the top three of probably every list I saw, which kind of surprised me, but I'm still good with it. Um, Fleabag's a really really good show. I think I think it's over too. I think those two seasons are are it just two and done. But which is sad. But I also wouldn't want to force a third season just to capitalize off the popularity. If it's not something that they feel like they have three seasons worth of content or four or five whatever, let it in with what you have. And so. I'm content with the two. Um, so it's like, um, I think it was six around 30 minute episodes a piece. So you could watch the whole thing in less time than it would take you to watch the Irishman. Um, so the cool thing about Fleabag though, is, as is that as a man, it gave me an interesting look at the struggles a woman might have with tying her own self-worth to her sexuality. It's like, uh, if he only wants me for sex, am I worth more than just sex? If I want to have sex all the time, am I devaluing myself? Will men think less of me and then use me for just sex? So, like, it, it just has a lot of interesting things to say about the dynamic between men and women, as well as women and themselves. Um, so, I, I found that dynamic to be really interesting. And then, it's also legit funny. Um, I didn't think it would be that funny. I kind of like that uh, that dry British humor. And uh, it has a lot of that, uh, surprisingly a lot, for a show that um, talks about some of the topics that it talks about. Um, my favorite laugh of, of single of single of season two is a single word that was delivered in such a way as to reflect two different sentiments. I know I know that's probably tough to understand, but um, delivering one word in a way that expresses two different thoughts was really impressive and really funny. So. I highly recommend Fleabag. Like I said, you can knock that out in one night if you want. So definitely want to check out. Number four, True Detective season three. Um, I'm not sure if I would rank this higher or lower than season one. Uh, They're close enough that I would not bother to do it. But um, both seasons are great. Uh, This one has Mahershala Ali, who we already know has been making a big, big name for himself over the course of the past few years, um, continues to do so. Uh, in this, in, in True Detective, he plays himself in three different time periods, the most interesting of which is uh, him as an old man with dementia. So there was a lot for him to do here. 
Uh, and then we also get another great performance from Steven Dorff, who also plays himself over three time periods, although we don't spend as much time with the old old version of him. But I haven't seen him in anything since Blade. So um, to see the young guy that was the villain in Blade come back and be this great uh, was also a joy. Um, I think the plot revolved around, I, I actually barely remember it, but the plot revolved around trying to find some missing kids. It was like an unsolved case uh, that I think was just eating up at Mahershala Ali's character. And I think it got like revisited because a reporter wanted to do like a, a documentary interview with him or something like that. But um, the plot secondary to the character analysis we get for uh, Mahershala Ali's character. It seems it's almost more like a um, a character study than uh, something that's uh, really plot driven. But it's it's just uh, flat out one hell of an anthology series, True Detective that is. Um, and while people shit on season two, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, this season and the first season make it look bad by comparison, but on its own, it's a solid it's a solid season. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't tell you to not watch season two, but you don't have to. It's an anthology series, so you can pick and choose which which seasons you want to watch. But uh, I'm shocked that this didn't show up on uh, more list than uh than it did uh number three so we're in the top three uh is most people's number one watchmen and also it's just called watchmen not the watchmen just fyi anyway um damon lindelof returned to tv to knock the ball all the way the fuck out of the park again uh with his return to the world of watchmen after uh the phenomenal leftovers like I mentioned earlier about Dark, those first few episodes were kind of tough to get through because there was a lot to there was there was a lot to be confused by. Uh, but at the end of the day, you, you knew deep down that it would make sense later. It was just really tough to wrap your head in the moment around <laughs> Jeremy Irons fishing for infants in a river and tossing them aside like fish. <laughs> but HBO also did a really good job though of giving you information outside of the show, like the PDPedia files. Um, that was super cool. If you were one to frequent PDPedia, then the final entry lets you know who Lube Man was. And if you follow me at all, you know that Lube Man was my favorite shit of all of 2019. <laughs> I spent several days laughing at that scene. And if you watch the show, you know what scene I'm talking about. Anyway, back on, back on track. Um, Watchmen... Watchmen did a good job of keeping you wondering, but not confused. And I think that's the best way to uh, kind of distinguish the difference. Um, it explores something. Oh, it also explores something that is heavily explored in Dark, which I didn't get, obviously, till I finished Dark earlier today. But it's that sort of uh, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg paradox. Um, I enjoy that paradox when I see it in, in TV and film. Watchmen touched on it. Dark goes... Uh, Dark goes heavy with it. Um, and it also did a good job of giving you a, a balance between Lindelof, which is like all that weird shit, and bringing you back into the uh, the world of Watchmen. Regina King crushed it, as she always does. Um, the guy, I don't know his name, but the guy that played the uh, character Looking Glass was really good, too. So there were some really good, uh, really good actors in here. Um, 
yeah, it was just a really fun show. It wrapped up well. It answered a lot of the questions it posed. And uh, we're not getting a season two, which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, this addition to the Watchmen world is fitting. And uh, it's a deserving, a deserving entry in the world. And I think it complements the uh, source material pretty well. All right. Almost done at just over half an hour. Number two, Chernobyl. HBO's limited series was just flat out tense as fuck. Um, I was too young to remember Chernobyl when it happened, but so my only knowledge of Chernobyl is that it happened. Uh, I never really just, I never really learned the severity of it, but I think the show did a great job of showing you severity by tying it into individual characters and just making the world smaller. So, you know, you think of something like Chernobyl, you're like, how does this, you know, this thing happened in this city to these people. And it's 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 tougher for you to connect to it that way. But Chernobyl shows you this thing happened to this city and here's how it affected this person. And like that. That helped it have a greater impact combined with the fact that. Whoever was the showrunner for that. Um, they did a, just a great job of like making it tense. Like I thought it was going to be kind of more almost like a like a reimagining like a documentary but like not but with you know actors and stuff like that where it was just gonna be i don't know just like a documentary that told you what happened i didn't think they were gonna pull off such intense drama and stuff like that like it makes sense in retrospect but going in i didn't think it was gonna be like that and it was it was intense um yeah and i'm i'm somebody who i love being on the edge of my seat and that's a really hard thing to do for me so if you can pull that off that's that's going to help you in any rankings that I might make, and that's why Chernobyl ended up so high. But I absolutely loved it. Uh, oh, Jared Harris fucking killed it. Um, Stellan Skarsgård, um, obnoxious character, but also fucking killed it. Uh, I, I have I have the, um, I, as I think we all should, the ability to, dis- to distinguish a uh, a bad character from a bad actor. Like, because you don't like the character... Does it mean that they were the the actor did a bad job? It probably means the char- actor did a great job. If it, you actually genuinely can't stand a character, I didn't hate Stellan Skarsgård's character that much, but he was kind of a dick. But it's one of those shows you'll probably never watch it again, but you'll always remember what it felt like watching it at that time. And lastly, now we've reached number one. So uh, my number one. Um, I think it failed to appear on pretty much every top 10 list I saw, uh, let alone at number one. But uh, I believe it showed up in DJ Tim Hines' list as well. Uh, I'm not sure. I know I saw it in one list. But um, my number one is the fourth and final season of Mr. Robot. Uh, man, talk, talk about a show that stuck the landing. Uh, season one was great. Season two, not, not so much. Uh, I even thought about walking away after season two but i came back for season three which came back and knocked it out of the park and season four man (laughs) i i really spent a lot of time mulling over how i would rank the top three between uh mr robot chernobyl and watchmen and ultimately i ended up choosing mr robot to be first because it did something that the other two shows couldn't have done which was 
Um, it was a fitting ending to a show of characters I was invested in over the course of three prior seasons. Um, all the big moments of season four were bigger than anything that could have been big in Watchmen or Chernobyl just because I didn't have three seasons with those characters. Um, Sam Esmail, the, uh, he's a showrunner, he set out to tell a story about a man with a mental disorder that was framed around hacking and, and computer shit. And the computer shit and the hacking in, is, is great stuff. And it's, it's the centerpiece of some of the best episodes. But, um, and, oh, and the statements that it, it, it made on our economy and how corporations run everything, it was, it was all really relatable. But the best stuff is why Rami Malek continues to rack up nominations and wins. Uh, he had some big moments in this season. Um, Mr. Robot does, and this is going to sound bad, but it's not because they do it great. They usually do uh, a couple of like gimmicky episodes um, in its season, in each season. I can't, I can't really remember one from season one, but um, those gimmicky episodes are always really good. But um, the gimmick episodes in seasons three and four, masterpieces. And listen, I don't get hyperbolic. I don't throw around the word masterpiece. But I'm telling you, those fucking episodes, like, as your seat drama and excitement that you would think is virtually impossible to pull off on a small screen. I'll tell you one. One of them was like a uh, like a heist slash escape episode from like a uh, from a off a tower like office building that had like no cuts. It was like one shot all the way through. Like I I think I wonder if like they like might have hid some cuts. I think I'm trying to reflect back. I think this was in season three. They might have hid some cuts where it was difficult to really catch them, but like no cuts, just an hour of like. How the fuck is he going to get out of this? I'm, I'm telling you, crazy shit. Um, so I had it all. I had the big dramatic gimmicky episodes. It had huge, huge character moments for uh, Rabbi Malik's character and uh, a couple of other characters who stuck around throughout the course of the show. Um, this uh, final season was paced really well. Uh, I didn't. I, I was wondering if I felt like, I think it was 13 episodes, and, and I was feeling early on, like, how are they going to make this 13 episodes? And I think there was probably only one episode where I was kind of like, eh, probably could have done without that. But great pacing. They stuck the landing on the, the, the mind fuck of a finale that they put out. It was like a two hour long movie. They, they put two hours on, on two, the last two episodes on Sunday night. Crazy fucking good. Um, season four is close to perfect. Uh, so that's, and it was easily the best time I had watching TV in 2019. Every Sunday, I was like, I can't fucking wait to watch Mr. Robot. And it was like Watchmen and Mr. Robot back to back. Like, for that fucking, like, two-month period, man, Sundays were crazy. And Patriot Act. I would watch that on Sundays, too. I think it hit Netflix on Fridays, but I would watch it on Sunday. But, yeah, every Sunday was a treat. So, um, I'm going to miss Mr. Robot. They they definitely, uh, definitely knocked it out of the park. So, that's my top ten. Uh, we're nearing 40 minutes, so that's good. Um, if you want to send feedback, you can still send it to what up though podcast at gmail.com W U D U P D O E podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet me, text me, hit me on Facebook, whatever you got. Um, I'm going to record some more of these podcasts while I'm off, but, um, shoot me that feedback as soon as possible. I'm probably going to post this, uh, maybe later tonight while I record, if not tomorrow, um, you know, give me the feedback. 
Uh, I've never done one of these solo podcasts before. Did I talk too fast? I know I sound a little congested, but um, no, let me know what you think. Uh, so um, lastly, I'm going to run over, run, run over. <laughs> I'm going to run through a couple of the episodes that I'm thinking about recording during the rest of my uh, time off work. Um, and I'm just going to read from my notes. Like I have a note thing where I just jot down podcast episode ideas. So I'll just read those and see what I think. So um, I have one about the Golden Globes. I'm probably not going to do that. Um, I don't know why I thought that'd be a good idea either. Like, who's going to want to listen to me talk about the Golden Globes? That's a stupid fucking idea. Um, what about the best movies of the decade or the year? So, um, hmm, I'm not sure about that one. I could possibly do a decade one. Uh, but a year one will be difficult just because I don't feel like I've seen enough 2019 movies to pull that off. I feel like I'd leave out something. Not If I feel like I'd leave out one movie, maybe two that had I seen it, it would have been in the top 10. I'd probably do it anyway. But I feel like there's too much I haven't seen uh, to get that podcast done in a timely manner. Now, can I get that podcast out in February? Sure. But um, I can probably, excuse me, I could probably do a decade one. But we'll see. It's going to require some thought. Um, I have a episode about the Skywalker trilogy. Well, not this whole Skywalker trilogy, the the last three episodes of the Skywalker trilogy, seven, eight, and nine. Um, I might be able to do that. I'm taking my son to see episode nine. So that will be this, my second time seeing it. So that'll be fresh in my head. Um, but I would have to find time to rewatch episode eight because I would need to do that in order to make necessary points in that discussion. So um, that'll be kind of like a, am I going to record this on Monday or not kind of decision. Um, I have a podcast episode about UFC 246, which aired uh, this past Saturday. I, I won't be podcasting about that specifically, but I will be hopping on uh, DJ Tim Hines podcast called Another Week, uh, actually later tonight. And we are going to talk some MMA and that might include a little bit of UFC 246 talk. So um, it's not going to be all MMA talk, but I, I saw in his notes that there will be some. So um if you're looking for a little bit of UFC talk, you can find it there. Just subscribe to another week, um, wherever you get your podcast. And the last one is the best moments in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I will absolutely fucking record that podcast. <laughs> um, it's just a matter of whether I'm going to try to do it with someone else or just do it on my own. All right. So that's it for now. Like I said, if you got any feedback, let me know. Uh, it's been... An interesting experience recording a solo dolo podcast but hopefully it doesn't suck and you guys look forward to hearing me and otis get back together sometime next week peace